Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Guys, we're going through the Gospel of Luke. We've entitled our journey through the Gospel, Earthwalk. We're looking at Jesus' Earthwalk, trying to understand who He is, get a broader concept of who He is, and even understand what the Gospel is saying. And so today we're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture. It is a passage that's taught in our Sunday school, the feeding of the 5,000. So let me just ask you, how many of you know the story of the feeding of the 5,000? Just raise your hand. Okay? Most of us here. Now, as I was getting ready to study this passage, I was like, well, man, Lord, what do you want me to bring out of this passage? I mean, everybody knows about the feeding of the 5,000 and how miraculous Jesus took the loaves and the fish and he fed 5,000 men plus everybody else. What do you want us to see? Well, here's what I did. When I looked at the context of the passage, there's something else that comes out of it. And what we're going to see is, well, let me just say it this way. Whenever you read the Bible, let me give you a principle. You may want to write this down. Whenever you read the Bible, you want to read the text in the context. So let me say that again if you want to write that down. You want to read the text, T-E-X-T, in the context, C-O-N-T-E-X-T. Because if you take the text out of the context, you're left with a con. Does everybody understand? When you take the text out of the context, you're left with a con. And so the context of the passage here, Jesus is had just sent his disciples out. He's sending them out, told them that they're to go and proclaim the gospel and to serve him by healing the sick. And now we're going to see that they're coming back. And then happens the feeding of the 5,000. So this is connected to what he just told them to do, and we're going to see that in the passage. So let's look at the text within the context, and what we're going to see here is that the feeding of the 5,000 was really a lesson. It was a blessing to the folks who ate, but it was a lesson to the disciples about Jesus and what he wants them to do. So let's look at what's happening here. Look with me at verses 10 through 17. And the apostles, when they had returned told him all that they had done. Then he took them and went aside privately into a desert place belonging to the city called Bethesda. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him, and he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. And when the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country, and lodge there, and get provision. For we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fishes, unless we go and buy food for all these people. And there were about five thousand men. And he said to the disciples, Make them sit down in groups of fifty. And they did so, and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. And so they all ate and were filled, and twelve baskets of leftover fragments were taken up. 
Folks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this passage today, and we're going to try to answer two questions today. We've had a series of questions when we went through chapter 8. We've got a series of questions that we're trying to wrestle with that Luke is trying to get us to understand. But we're going to wrestle with two questions, and here's what they are. Number one, do you see your responsibility? We're going to really look at what the issue is about our responsibility here. And then number two, how do you view the responsibility that you have? So we're going to look at those two questions. And how we're going to do that is we're going to look, first of all, at the request that Jesus makes of the men, and then we're going to see the empowerment. So let's set the setting here. Remember in verses 1 through 9, we talked about this last week, Jesus sends out the disciples. He says, don't take anything with you. Don't take an extra change of clothes. And I want you to go and I'm going to empower you and I'm going to give you authority to go and proclaim my word about the kingdom of God and you're going to go and serve me by healing others. And when you go, you'll stay in a home. If they'll take care of you, if they don't leave town, shake the dust off your feet. And so he gives them an assignment to do. And so what we see here in verse 10 now is the, the apostles come back. And the apostles come back and they give a report. But I want you to notice something in verse 10. And if you want to, if you're one of those folks who likes to underline in their Bible, this is where I'm telling you that there's a lesson taking place here. This is more than just a story about Jesus' power. Look at what it says in verse 10. Then he took them and went aside privately into a deserted place. So what we see here is that Jesus is intentionally now taking the disciples out in the middle of the boonies, away from town, away from anything. Now, the boonies there is a little bit different than the woods here. If you want to go somewhere here in the middle of nowhere, you just go out and go in town, go out in the woods, and you're out there in the middle of nothing around. There, they don't have forest and woods like we have here. It's desert. So he takes them to a deserted place outside of the town of Bethesda. He's intentionally taking them there. Why? Because he's going to teach them something. This is the setting for the feeding of the 5,000. He's going to teach them something. And here's what happens. When they go, of course this is going to happen, the multitude here, well Jesus is just outside town. And remember, everybody's already fixated on who Jesus is, and so they want to go and be with Jesus. And so guess what? The multitude follow them out in the middle of nowhere. And when they get there, Jesus has mercy on them, and what? He teaches them, and then what else does he do? Jesus does more than just teach. What? He serves them. How? Healing them of all their diseases and sickness. Now, here's what happens now. The disciples look around and say, you know what? Hmm. Looks like it's getting to be close to 3 o'clock here. Boy, it's hot. We better send these folks home because it's about supper time coming. Jesus, we better send them and... Get them to go do something. That's where we come to the request. So here's several things I want you to see about the request. Number one, the disciples see the need. Look, look at verse 12. And when the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge there and get provision, for we are in a deserted place here. So they see the need. They're not focused on self. They've been trained by Jesus enough to be aware of the needs of others. So here they are in this deserted place. Day's wearing away. It's getting close to supper time. And they're starting to realize, folks, we've got a lot of folks here. In fact, the Bible does it. It's 5,000 men. 
scholars believe that there probably were 25,000 people there. Now, how do you come up with that number? Wives and children. It may have been more. The Bible focused on the fact that there were 5,000 men. It didn't include the women and the children. But there were 5,000 men there. And so here's what's going on. They look around and say, man, this is a huge crowd. How are we going to feed them? We better send them away. They better go back to town and get something to eat. Jesus, they're here for you. It's time for you to take action, Jesus. Send them away. They see the need. They see the need. Now, here's what's going on. Here's what Jesus does. This is wild. This is, this is almost radical. Here's what Jesus does. Jesus says, okay, yeah, you're right, boys. You feed them. Jesus tells them to meet the need. Think about that. There's lots of people. I mean, think about it for a moment. Right here in our town, the town of Kerwinsville, I think the latest statistics, census figures are, there's about 2,400 of us in Kerwinsville Borough. So you think about how many people live in Kerwinsville Borough. Then you multiply that by two, and you almost got the number of men who were there. That's not counting the women and the children. You know they need to get something to eat. They're out in the middle of nowhere. It's hot. They're sweating. You go to Jesus and you say to him, Jesus, you're the one in charge here. You need to send them away. It's time to get, we gotta, they gotta get home, get fed. Jesus looks at you and says, well, you feed them. Now how many of you, I know some of you, 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 you have a big spread at your home when you invite somebody to come over, but how many of you could feed that many people? None of us could. Now do you think those disciples could? I can almost see the reaction. Their jaws are probably dropping, hitting the floor. Like, what? You want us to do what here? You feed them? This is what Jesus is saying. Folks, he does it all the time, even today. Every one of you, as we live our lives out in this world, as we live for Jesus, he looks and he shows you needs all around you, doesn't he? He shows you needs in people's lives. He shows you things. He shows you what needs to take place. And here's what happens. A lot of times you sense the Spirit of God saying to you, you meet the need. And you're like, what? My wallet isn't big enough. I don't have the time or the patience. You've got to be kidding me, Jesus. Isn't that our natural reaction? Because this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus tells them to meet the needs. But I want you to notice how they react. And you can't be too hard on these boys. You can't. Why? Look with me at verse 13. He said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, look at what, this is a natural reaction. And they said, well, we have no more than five loaves and two fishes unless we go and buy food for all these people. Here's what he's saying. Jesus, we looked at the bank account, and it ain't happening. Jesus, we looked at what we had in the food store, in the bag, it's not happening. In fact, the other Gospels tell you they didn't even have it. It was a little boy who gave it to them. They were focused on their meager resources. That's what's going on here. They focused on their meager resources. Don't we do the same thing? All the time. All the time I'm being stretched in my walk with God. All the time I'm being stretched as God shows me things, shows me things. And you know what? I've, 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 as I'm getting older and I'm walking with the Lord longer now, I'm starting to realize when it is that he's telling me to do something. It's usually when I don't want to do it. When he points out to me things that I need to do, and inside I'm like, oh, I don't know about that one, Lord. I don't want to do that. That's usually when he's telling me to do it. Because here's what I'm doing. I'm focusing on, well, God, I don't have the brain power. I don't have the money power. I don't have all of this stuff 
to do what you're telling me to do. And I start focusing on me and what I have and the resources. And I'm going to be honest with you, folks. Always when God tells you to do something, you don't have the resources. You don't have the brain power. You don't have the strength to do what he's doing. See, this is the lesson. He wants them to understand that the task is before them. They're to do something. They're to meet the need. It doesn't matter how much they don't have to do it. And that's what they're focused on. We focus on that too, don't we? See, folks, there are some of you right here. God has been telling you to do something, to meet the need in someone's life, and here's what you're doing. You're saying you can't do it because the reason why is this or that. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough patience. I don't have enough time. But you know what? You can't get away from the fact that he told you to do something about it. See, there's a lesson here. There's a lesson that he's trying to teach these men, that he's trying to teach us through this passage in the feeding of the 5,000. So I want you to notice now, verses 14 through 17 talks about the empowerment. Here's what he told them to do. Look with me at verse 14 through 15. For there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to the disciples, Make them sit down in groups of 50. And so they did, and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. And so they all ate and were filled, and twelve baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them. First thing I want you to see is this. They were obedient to Jesus. Now, I need to point something out to you. We know the story of the feeding of the 5,000. You've heard it so many times. You've heard it in Sunday school. You've heard sermon after sermon about it. You know about it. When you read through the Gospels, all four Gospels point this out. So you know the outcome. Well, I want you to forget that you know the outcome of this, and I want you to think that put yourself in the place of those 12 men that day when Jesus says to them, you feed them. They don't know what he's going to do. And so when they say, well, Jesus, all we got is we, all we got is five loaves and two fishes. How in the world are we going to do that without going and buying food? And here's what Jesus says to him: I want you to break them up into groups of 50. You get them to sit in groups of 50. And you know what the text tells us? They did it. Here's what I want you to see. This is where a lot of us need to get to. This is where I need to get to in my life. That when God speaks to me, even though I don't understand it, even when it doesn't make sense, I mean, think about it. Breaking them up in groups of 50, what in the world are you talking about? We're talking about feeding them. You're talking about having huddles, group meetings. And so they do it. See, it doesn't just stop there. What they do then, listen to me, is Jesus then takes the meager resources. And let me explain to you five loaves. They're barley loaves. What we know from that culture is we're not talking about going and buying a loaf of bread at Walmart or at Goodman's. So you're thinking about how many slices. We're not talking about that. When we talk about a barley loaf, barley was considered the food of the poor. We're talking about a loaf probably that big, the size of two quarters. And when we're talking about fish, for you sardine lovers here, we're talking about maybe two fish the size of sardines. You're thinking bass or grouper. Do you know what I'm saying? We're not talking that here, folks. Culturally, we're talking about fish the size of a sardine. So you've got them divided up into groups of 50, and then he's taking the food, he blesses it, and then he... Gives it to them to distribute. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand. If you're there and if you're a disciple, if it's me, because I've got cynic written on my head, I've got a big C there, 
I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But they were obedient. It didn't make sense. Because here's, why were they obedient? Because they'd come to the place to trust him. That even when it doesn't make sense, we're going to do what you tell us to do, Jesus. See, that's where we all got to get, don't we? Even when it doesn't make sense, we're going to do what you tell us to do, Jesus. And they did. They did. And the next thing I want you to see is, is that through Jesus, they met the need. See, here's the missing thing. In all our stories of the feeding of the 5,000, in all of our, our sharing it in Sunday school and even messages, there's one component that we have left out. Here's what we left out. Yes, Jesus fed the 5,000. But who did he use to do it? The disciples. See, this is the lesson. As he empowers them, as he gives them, as he is the one who is doing it, he's doing it through them. And as they go from group to group, they fed people. And notice what verse 17 says. It wasn't like they just got a little bit. No, I'll just take a teeny bit of that sardine. Look at what it says in verse 17. It's very clear. So they all ate and were filled. Now, let me stop for a moment. Do you know what it means to be filled? You know what I I think about being filled? I think about Thanksgiving dinner and the feeling I have laying on the couch afterwards. That's filled, folks. Do you understand? They ate till they were filled. So here's what I want you to see. The lesson is Jesus is saying to them what? He's trying to get them to the place where they, are number one, are obedient to what he says. Even when it doesn't make sense, folks, we know the outcome of the story. We just read it. You've heard it before. But they didn't. And even though what he was saying sounds completely crazy, they trusted him enough to be obedient. They trusted him enough to be obedient. That's what God's calling us to, folks. So let me ask you a question. I guess this really is. Do you trust him? See, that really goes back to the other questions that we wrestled with. Is he really who he says he is? If he is, do you trust him? And if he's telling you to do something, you see the need and you go to him and say, Lord, I see this need. I see this family that's in need over here. Or I see this person that's in need over here. Father, I see this situation in our community and that's in need here. What do we need to do about it, God? You've got to do something. I don't... God says, you do something about it. What? Oh, and all, all the excuses come up. Oh, I, I can't do that. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Even when it seems crazy, do you trust him? You know what? The Bible says over and over in Isaiah, my ways are not your ways. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. Do you trust him? See, they trusted him, they were obedient to him, and here's what he did. Through them, he did the miracle. This is the lesson he's trying to say to them. Guys, as you go out, as you do what I'm getting ready to have you do, because they're getting ready to go out, do you understand? In another chapter here, when we get over into chapter 10, he is on his way to Jerusalem. And we know what will happen in Jerusalem, right? He'll be crucified. He'll be buried. And he'll be raised on the third day. See, he's preparing them. He's getting them ready for when he's no longer going to be with them. And he's trying to say to them, guys, you need to learn to trust God and do what I'm telling you to do, and I will empower you. I will give you the authority to do what you're supposed to do. Wow, what a lesson. Folks, the feeding of the 5,000 wasn't for 
those number of people who were there. I mean, they got the benefit of it. It was for the twelve disciples. Folks, can I be honest with you? It wasn't just for the twelve disciples. It's for you and I. Look, you know, here's the thing. Some of you are saying, oh yeah, sure, George. You don't know what it's like right now in my life. You know how hard it is. Folks, I know it's hard. Economy stinks in our area. Some of you are just thankful to have the job you have. Some of you are looking for work and you can't find it. I understand that. And you're like, you know what? Wonder, you know, if everything was going great, I'll be more than happy to do what God wants me to do. But right now, I can't think of anything else that I need on my plate right now. You are the prime person that God wants to use. Do you understand? He uses the weak to confound the wise. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians. He wants to use you, but you have got to come to the place where you trust him. Even though you don't have the resources, even though you don't have the brain power, even though you don't have the strength, he wants to use you to change a world, to change a community. But you've got to trust him. And when you trust him, he works through you in amazing ways and does amazing things. But you've got to trust him. This is the lesson. This is the lesson. How do we apply this to our lives? Let me give you three thoughts. Two are questions. One is a one is a statement. Number one is this. It goes back to the first question. Do you see your responsibility? Do you see your responsibility? Or do you have the mindset that it's for the professionals? See, we can enter into that. Hopefully we're not, hopefully we're changing as a church where, where it's no longer, it's your responsibility, George. It's, rather, it's our responsibility. Do, do you know what I mean? Do you see your responsibility? God called you. He saved you. He brought you into a relationship with Him. Not just so you can have fire insurance later and make sure you go to heaven. He wants to use you now. Every one of you, God wants to use right now in some way where you work, where you live, in your families, in your neighborhoods, in this community. He wants to use you. Do you see your responsibility? Here's the thing. Every one of you know, and I I know this is true because it happens to me, every day you walk by and you see things and you say, Lord, there's a need. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You know, I'm always putting it on God. God, what are you going to do about it? God's saying to me, what are you going to do about it? You meet the need. And right around you are folks all around you. God, if somebody would just help that folk out. They need 20 bucks and then you drive over to McDonald's and buy 20 bucks of food. You meet the need. Do you see your responsibility? He's given us all a responsibility, folks. You and I have a responsibility. So that really brings up the next question. What is your focus? See, because you can be focused on, when God tells you to do something, your attention can be in one of two places. There's only one, two options. Number one, it could be on God who can do it, or you can look at your resources and say, it ain't happening. And you know what? Here's, I'm ashamed of this. There's been a lot of times in my life that I've said, it ain't happening. And you know what? God turned and used somebody else. And I missed out on the blessing of seeing him do it through me. You know what I'm saying? Some of you know what I'm talking about. See, God wants to meet the need. But he wants vessels, people who will stand up and say, Yes, God, do it through me. I don't know how this is going to happen. You do it through me. And then see the blessing of it happening. I've been many times when I've said, Lord, there is no way I can do that. Forget it. And you know what he did? 
He said, okay, I'll choose someone else. Where's your focus? Listen, folks, I'm going to be honest with you. You're never going to have enough money. You're never going to have enough time. You're never going to have enough brain power. You're never going to have enough resources. You're never going to have enough. Let that just be known. I mean, if we thought about it and looked around us, we'd realize that everything I just said is true. Reminds me of the story of comes out of England of an old English lord who, who had a manor and he had servants. And one day he's walking by and he hears one of his maids say to another maid, if I only had a hundred pounds, I'll be perfectly satisfied. So the English lord looked at himself and reached into his wallet, walked by and gave her a hundred pounds. As he was walking by, leaving the room, he heard her say, I should have asked for two. That's where we're at, folks. Where's your focus? If your focus is on your resources, you're never going to have enough. But if your focus is on the God, who is the creator of the universe, maybe he'll feed 5,000 through you. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? He's doing it already. And I'll be honest with you, we operate pretty tight here. I mean, yeah, it's tight. We try to be very frugal with our finances here. But I'm going to be honest with you. Somehow God provides what we need to do what we need to do. Why? Because we're being obedient to him. And we're doing it. And you know what? I didn't notice we have too many millionaires in this church, do we? But you know what? You are millionaires. You are joint heirs with Jesus. And you can draw on his bank account anytime. You just need to be obedient. So where's your focus? And then finally, here it is. Step out in obedience. Step out. You know, you don't need to have a study group to think about what is the will of God for your life. A lot of us like to say, what is the will of God for my life? You know what the will of God is for your lives. You know what He's telling you to do. It's the thing that He keeps telling you. I'll never forget it. I was at a conference, oh, probably three summers ago. I went to a conference. I was listening to Rick Warren speak. And, and I went to that conference asking God to show me what he wanted me to do. So this is six months before Be the Church happened. And in the conference he's speaking, I feel the Holy Spirit's telling me exactly what I need to do. Here's what entered into my mind. I'm tired. Been up since 3 this morning to get to this conference. Must have been bad pizza. And so I ignored it. But it wouldn't go away. Two days later when I didn't have pizza and I had enough sleep, this thought was still there. You know what that is? That's God, folks. And you've got to step out in obedience. Some of you, you know what it is that God is telling you to do. And you're focused on, well, I can't do it. I don't have this and I don't have that. Folks, you need to step out and do what you're supposed to do. He, and let me just say this. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But the blessing comes from being obedient. 
some of you need to step out. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.